Hey guys, Connor from the Ticket Stub, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl ellsworth Jahani. We are two Texas licensed attorneys and we're here every Tuesday on 104.5 and 106.1 Conroe's FM. And you can watch us live on Facebook too and you can message us questions if you want to. And at the end of the hour, we're here from 12 to 1 every Tuesday, but at the end of the hour, we'll get to those questions if we have time. So today we are talking about inverse condemnation. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Are trying to. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and so this is the show. We got stuck on expert witnesses. Okay, so how we're going to start is to let our listeners know why it's important and not just some dry legal issue that you're going to you know, face well, over. Well, it's, it's got a strange name, yeah. It's yeah, like, because well, it's what something is you hear and you're like, oh, I don't want to even hear about this. It's, you know, I'd rather watch the impeachment proceedings. <laughs> you know, anything is better than this. Okay, so I'm just going to give you and uh, Station Manager Dick a fact pattern in two different scenarios, and I'm going to, uh, and I want you to kind of tell me what your initial feeling is about it, not knowing more than just the facts that I'm giving you, like you're the jurors. Okay, okay. okay. So the first one is, um, uh, well, first I'm going to say just what inverse condemnation is, so y'all know right. what direction we're going with it. Um, and I'm just going to read the legal definition of it, and then before y'all fall over in a faint, we'll kind of get into what these fact patterns are. Inverse condemnation occurs when a property owner seeks compensation for property taken for public use without process are a proper condemnation proceeding and then um uh to state well i'll say to state a cause of action for inverse condemnation under the texas constitution a plaintiff must allege an intentional governmental act uh that resulted in his property being taken damaged or destroyed for public use and when i say governmental act that can be um, any type of activity that is for public use. So, so city can do it. City, uh, cell phone towers, uh, gas company, whether they're private or public, but they're being used for the public use, and that's sort of where it okay. goes with that. Okay. Now, let me give you my, knowing that that's what we're talking about today, I'm going to give you all the first fact pattern. Okay. Um, not knowing where either one of y'all live, and we live in an area that floods quite a bit, mm -hmm. and do y'all both remember... Um, when uh, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, yes, and all of and and it was flooded, yes, okay. and that was how many years ago? Oh gosh, fourteen, maybe my Katrina was quite guess. a quite a while back. Uh huh. Rita, we had uh, Rita was first, and then Katrina. Yeah, two thousand five. Two thousand five, and Katrina 14, was one that, that flooded. Rita mm -hmm. came to Houston. Katrina hit. New Katrina Orleans. was right. So we one after the other. Well, okay. But, All right. Anyway, there was a, a flood, and then New Orleans was down for a while, and that okay. was because the levees broke. Mm -hmm. And all this water flooded into the New Orleans proper, and all these people were devastated. And then we had Brad Pitt building building stuff. Okay, so first, if y'all remember that, what what did you what was your take on that? What did you did you did you believe it was a natural, you know, uh, it was an act of God or the government was at fault or too bad for the people they live there or, you know, stuff happens. You should have had insurance. So first, what do you think? What was your take on it? Um, I remember thinking that they should have made those levees higher. Uh, and the, the fact that the levees were breached because the water had gotten so high was, 
you know, due to inadequate funding, and it was just an unfortunate. It was all of those things. But I remember thinking, so you think the government was? I felt like it was even at the levee. Whoever was in charge of that, fifty years before that, or whenever they were. I felt I felt like that they should have reinforced them. I mean, but who knew it was going to rise that high? You know, they had been good for a long time, but I I still felt like that the breach of those levees was the fault of. Whatever government entity was, right, or, or the public, for the whoever was in charge of protecting the public for that. That's what. Okay, I so what do you think, Station Manager Dick? Do you think it was, I mean, just off the top of your head, do you think the people should have seen Katrina coming and should have left like the the <coughs> hurricane from nineteen hundred, where everybody, you know, the the third uh, largest disaster? Or? I, I mean, coming from a family that's from Galveston, yeah, uh, Louisiana, especially New Orleans, is below sea level. Mm-hmm. So there is a kind of common sense, you know, we're living in a place that is vulnerable mm-hmm. to An inherent risk natural for disasters. There. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like living it, in San Francisco, knowing there's earthquakes there. Right. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, because you know it's a common thing, especially with growing up in a community that's been there for so long. It's just part of what happens there. Okay. Uh, so that's how that's how I feel so about it. So you think that the just whatever happened was not necessarily government's fault wasn't it, it the, the people that live there took the risk knowing that but you're that also was, talking about several different communities in that one statement i mean i can't just say the entire right. city yeah. of new orleans right. is to blame because well, they right, were right, right. below sea level i mean the mm-hmm. houston was the same thing different areas of houston and right here locally the biggest thing going on right now is kingwood's upset that when it floods here in the Montgomery County mm-hmm. area, we release the dam in Conroe. Uh-huh. Well, that water goes directly through Kingwood, right. and Kingwood floods. Okay. So with New Orleans and the levees and things, I mean, I think it, there's there's an expectation that it's going to flood, mm-hmm. and then when we know how to recover from a flood because we so you say fl- get flood insurance because you know, I don't know if they even offer flood insurance in, uh, in they New do Orleans. It's expensive. Well, you're right in New Orleans because I don't know Louisiana law. I know you yeah. can get it here. I know in Galveston, I know they have several different <coughs> sections of insurance because they have mm-hmm. wind. I mean, like which ones are important? I remember at one point my grandfather said you insure it for so much. It's not even worth the money because you just right. build a new house. Right, right. Yeah, by if the time you, you pay the premiums that, every year, if you're paying that much money, why not just money? put that in the bank and then build a new house once it floods for that one time? Because and your so your position is there's an inherent risk, and you know that, so you better prepare because things happen, and it's not you shouldn't leave it up to the government to take care of you. So I've kind of got a little bit lean, you know light leaning both ways on this. Okay, so we'll go to the next case scenario, which is Harvey. The one uh, where Kingwood did get flooded mm-hmm. and, and the Attic Dam and what have you. And so knowing that, I'm going to read just a little spill from a um, from just a printout because it kind of gives it a, a heads up on this. It says, um, after making landfall in August of 2017, Tropical Storm Harvey doused Houston with an average of 33.7 inches of rain over a four-day period. Many properties, including over 150,000 homes, flooded during the storm. Okay, so knowing just that... Uh, we know that there was flooding and, and what have you. Now, what happened in Harvey, as we've discussed before, and we kind of talked about a little bit on some other shows, um, those affected included private property owners within the Attics and Barker Reservoirs west of Houston, upstream of the federally designed, built, and maintained Attics and Barker Dams. Um, during Harvey, the Attics and Barker Dams collected stormwater in their respective reservoirs, causing properties within the reservoir to flood from the impounded water. At issue is what is at issue in this bellwether trial because it went to trial um, is the liability of the government under the Tucker Act 
and the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution for damage to uh, 13 of the property. So 13 people sued. These people were from the Attucks Dam area, not for Kingwood, but Kingwood's got the same argument. If you are flooded because the, the levees are released by, and I'll, I'm going to go a step further. I'll say um, I'm going to give what happened. Um, this is a case in which Texas owners whose property upstream of two government-created and maintained dams, a little bit different from New Orleans because the government didn't create that where they're living, but here they did, um, was intentionally flooded by the Corps of Engineers after Hurricane Harvey. Um, these homeowners, at least 13 of them, sued the federal government for just compensation for taking, um, which is the Fifth Amendment. You, the government can't take property without compensating you. Mm -hmm. The government sought dismissal, but after a 10-day trial, the FCF, which is, oh, I don't know what that stands for, um, held the government is liable for taking on a flowing easement on the 13th, uh, on, on the 13 properties. Um, so the government sought dismissal, and the FCF, what is FCS? Do you have any idea? Federal something. Yeah, it is. Um, held, uh, that the FCF held the government, it must be a circuit court, held the government is liable. Okay. And, and then, oh, uh, flood control, one, you would think, Federal Circuit Court, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Federal Circuit Court held that. Now, this has gone back and forth since then, but before we, uh, we, we talk about what the resolution has been recently, um, I want to find out what now, because we live here, whether you live in Kingwood or not, what is your position on that? Do you think, uh, because we have a, we built these dams for our, our watershed to provide water to everybody. Right. And uh, those, those, dam, those dams um, hold the water back for that usage, but when we have a high flood and the water from the Colorado River and the Brazos and all the different rivers that, that flow into it, when they, um, uh, I guess, put in jeopardy the, um, uh, what is the term I'm looking for, the uh, integrity of the of the levee and the dam, is it... That's why they released it. That's why they released it. Because they, released it the because they said that the, it would, if they didn't release it, the people that live near the dam, the, the levees would break, and so they needed to do what was the most wise do we release a little bit of water to save more people or do we release um or, or do we not release it and then take our chances um on on whether or not it will flood or not or whether the levees will break which is what happened in katrina they took their chances i don't know if they could even release it i don't know the structures of those things but the yeah. integrity well, the was compromised in katrina so when the pumps broke to pump the water back out again there, they, 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 they were gonna. That, that's what happened. The mechanical issue oh. broke the levees because they were set. They were prepared mm -hmm. for more than that. And I don't know if there was any lawsuits after Katrina. I'm sure there was a ton of them. Yeah. But here we had a different situation. Here, I think in part because of Katrina. I'm not an engineer. They said we. This is we are over a threshold now where we we can't withstand this much water mm -hmm. and we need to weigh this thing out. And so, so what they did though is the problem is. They, and the reason that it went to court was not because they released the dam. It was because they did it forewarn the people that would be affected by the release of the dam. So after uh, Harvey hit and everybody flooded, everybody thought the worst has happened. Right. And then they, they released, they opened up, the Corps of Engineers opened up these the dams up at, uh, I guess, Lake Conroe or wherever it was, in particularly Attucks in this case. And then they flooded the people downstream. And that's why they're suing. Now, knowing that, uh, so I'll take your position first. Um, first, you know the people downstream would have would have said don't release it. Mm -hmm. So 
should they have warned them or should they not have warned them or what is your position on what happened if it had been you by the dam and you and the people that were ultimately flooded right i mean that's a great question um i mean i i would go for the least amount of damage so if the people that were downstream of the dam were the least amount of damage i mean i i would go for that but as far as not i i would side with that opinion of what action they should have taken but as far as not warning them i think that's ridiculous i can't even so imagine you find that there was liability and fault by the government not giving them some kind of warning that you don't have a choice in this matter we're making a public decision sure get your is, stuff out get your stuff and go uh-huh. so you could prevent the de- a lot of deaths did occur electric people were electrocuted trying to get ridiculous their stuff out. Yeah. yeah okay so now we've got your point of view on it what do you have to say about this dick I don't know where you live. You could have been a flood victim. You could be living by somebody that wasn't flooded. Well, I know with the Conroe Dam, they released it at 4 a.m., and they didn't really have a lot of communication in the sense of, you know, there wasn't like a website or anything going, when it reaches this point, this is when we're going to have to do it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I did listen to some of the town halls, especially with the animosity towards the San Jacinto River Authority and yes. the folks who charge every month doing all these things a lot of people spend a lot of money for water here and then i know the keenwood argument is we'd rather you guys not have a like you know you can't take your boat out just in chance of releasing some more water before the rain comes because that was the biggest argument is people in conroe were like no don't do it because we want to be able to take our boats out oh (laughs) well no no that was a big argument because the idea of the lake is they know when a storm is coming Uh uh-huh they don't know the size of the storm, so they have preemptive measures where they increase the flow of what they're dumping uh-huh. that, to prevent what happened during Harvey. Right, here. right. So, so it's a more it's and a they didn't do any release. of that. They didn't really okay. do. They didn't do it to the extreme of what Kingwood feels they should have. Right, and, and I, I, I didn't know that they had some kind of a system with the boat owners, but that makes sense that they would give them some sort of. Uh, uh, preventative type um, action, like when you prepare for for anything, you get they they warn you that you've got to turn off your electricity, yes. if, all those kind of things. So they did have a plan in place, but the people in Kingwood didn't like the plan, or it wasn't well, they orchestrated felt it, properly. Yeah, they felt like it wasn't handled properly, and okay. the way they saw it was they probably the the boat people wanted to keep the water, so they keep mm-hmm. their boats. So they had a better lobby, or they had a better they had more connections with the people that were in charge, and so That's they had. They they, it was maybe no. somewhat biased because the boat people didn't want to have to deal with it, and were happy. And Kingwood actually suffered quite a bit from it. And not knowing any of that facts coming out or anything, I only know what about the inverse condemnation part of it. But from your perspective, and I know you're station manager, so you're kind of neutral on this. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is that the plan wasn't. Um, administered properly. Had it been administered properly, we may not be in the situation. Well, communication is almost impossible at that moment when mm-hmm. they realize we have to do something. I mean, it was yeah. a disaster. It wasn't yeah. just right. something where some evil yeah. evil mm-hmm. corporation was, was sitting there mm-hmm. going, like, we have to wait to the last minute. Right. And then when we get to that minute, screw these people and then right. push a right. button. Which is, pro- which is pretty much what happened. Well, I mean, I know. I don't, that's, I don't think that's what, I mean, I think it was no one expected Harvey, especially up here in Conroe. Right. I don't know. Well, we didn't expect Kingwood to get hit by it because they weren't flooding until they opened the dam. Well, spring either. Spring wasn't flooding until they well, opened the, the dam. The up. dam's always been an issue with Kingwood. Mm-hmm. It's okay. never not been an issue okay. when it when it when it rains heavy. They have to release water. Okay. 
So certain houses, certain areas do have a, a better chance of so flooding. So that may be why I'm not reading about a lawsuit with Kingwood. I'm reading about Alexander because Kingwood should know to have flood insurance because that may happen. Well, I, I mean, it's a known thing since they built the dam and okay. built the built okay. the lake. I, it's a known. That was the plan. That was the overall build out. Okay. This is where the water goes. Okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense on why I haven't even done any research on any Kingwood. From lawsuits. what I understand, with the uh, west side of XDM and uh, over there is they, from what I understand, is the property builders didn't properly educate the built like people buying and building the homes over there because right. of the risk of flooding. Right mm-hmm. now, that may be the case, and that may be a separate lawsuit. But this was this one simply against the government. So, well, I think it was the the government didn't stop them from building. Oh, the Corps of Engineers didn't warn them. In, they, it's they, like, hey, this oh, could this is, this could become an issue, and okay. they didn't really they didn't they didn't flag it for certain things. So the builders are like, well, we're going to build as many homes as possible. Okay. Mm. Well, this all goes to inverse condemnation and whether who you sue and whether the the government, the Corps of Engineers, or any government entity um, has taken your property. Uh, which is uh, without giving you proper compensation mm-hmm. for it, regardless of what the situation is. I mean, I know people might not be able to even build their homes back because of right. What the city and then of they buy them just like over by Bracewood. They bought those houses out. They were like, "We're just going to condemn that you can't buy." Who again. did the city? Um, over by Myerlings, it flooded so much. There was a whole yeah. little section where they bought the city. Literally, the, the I guess the city council or city of Houston. They they said you because it had been flooded so many times. Yeah. It's like we can't. We're not even going to let you build here anymore. We're going to buy it back, and it's now going to be a flood zone, and that's mm-hmm. it. And then other people were able to build their house up because they didn't want to do that. And I, I don't know how that all went because I wasn't part of that either. But mm-hmm. this has been an issue in, for historically since right. Texas has been, uh, you know, the, the history has been documented since about 1836 forward. We've mm. had many, many floods up and down the Buffalo Bayou in this area because I was looking at the. Um, it's the uh, U.S. Geological Survey. You can actually Google that, and it's uh, Google Earth Pro is amazing. I know because it. you can historically go all the way back, and there have been so many floods that have been devastating that that we are not talked about in our lifetime, but have been far worse than the ones we have. They just weren't documented. For example, the um, well, this isn't about the flood, but the the 1900 Galveston hurricane. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they didn't even name them back then, mm-hmm. and the reason that happened in part was because the um, the the government Cuba had a better uh, hurricane. Uh, sighting, uh, they had a, they were a better. They had, they were more advanced than we were with regard to weather and hurricanes and forecasting it. And for some reason, we got crossways with them, and we said we're not going to listen to you. And they told us, Cuba said, "There's a hurricane coming. You better be prepared." And then they didn't listen to that. They thought, I guess, that everything was calm, like the island. It was just calm, just like a tsunami. And then everybody died from it. But mm-hmm. then now they've got the. Um, They've got, you know, a system, and pl- of course now they have a system in place where they name the hurricanes and they can track it better and the low pressure and the whole bit. But uh, that goes toward historically, and what, what I'm going after is mm-hmm. even back in 1900, they were, they were recording it, but not like they do now. And they can, they can keep up with all the, the details and stuff. But I'm kind of getting off track here. The, uh, in, in particular with this inverse condemnation, these, these homeowners in attics that, that from the Attics Dam and the Barker Cypress uh, release, I didn't see one for Kingwood, but they actually went to court. And on December 17, 2019, uh, without going into all the details, it's a 46-page opinion. Um, the uh, Basically, the government said, the, the federal circuit court said, yes, you have an inverse condemnation case. And just like you were saying, I think that in part goes toward the Corps of Engineers. And th- th- what the detail on it was, and, and I'm just going to highlight this, the Corps of Engineers could have released water from the dams, but doing so would have 
flooded downstream properties. The U.S. Supreme Court's opinion in an Arkansas case in 2012 remains the poll star for flooding cases, and that provided that the lens through which the circuit federal court looked at the facts and the law. Uh, the big issue is a tort, what their liability was for doing it, who was at fault versus the taking argument, and the government put forward, uh, but which the circuit court rejected. And the uh, federal court, I believe, said that they, they agreed it was a taking. They can go forward with, we're going to compensate you for what was taken. So regardless of who is at fault on this, because inverse condemnation doesn't go toward fault. Inverse condemnation goes toward whether there was a taking of your property by the government. Mm -hmm. And there was, and they're letting it go forward. Okay, and so now it's just about the damages, which goes toward what our show is. Now, um, before I get there, it's, there's one more case scenario that we, I want to go over. But you were right on on whether they were finding Dick, whether there was uh, uh, a fault, uh, what they were looking at with regard to the Corps of Engineers. I do remember reading that in detail about they had there was some liability, but but they didn't go there. The reason that this is going forward is because of the damage issue, and um, and I'll just say to to jump over here just before I give you the sec this third case scenario, um, the term inverse condemnation refers to the taking or damaging of a person's real property by a government entity without payment of co just compensation. The property owner is faced with the prospect of suing the government in order to obtain compensation. So it didn't have to do with liability or the public good or mm -hmm, anything. Mm -hmm. It just had to do with, did the government take your property? And so to some extent, it did have to do with liability because the government released this dam water and it, it took property. So, and I wouldn't have thought because I would think there'd have to be a liability issue, but apparently there was not in this one. Now, here's the third case scenario. Um, you've got a, a, a public service being provided um, in a, uh, and I'll just give you the actual facts. It could be a cell phone tower. It could be electrical lines. It could be anything. But in this case, it was the gas company here in Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. We have one gas company. It's privately owned. It's Texas Gas Utility. They have many, many different entities underneath them that are like, uh, I won't say they're subsidiaries, but they're affiliates that do different things. United Natural Gas, Texas Gas, um, uh, Centric Gas, they're all a part of the same, uh, the same private owner owns them. And... Um, they uh, provide gas service to, in fact, I could probably, I'm just going to paraphrase, because they're the only gas company in this area, mm -hmm. you can't switch gas companies. Right. They are your gas company. If you want gas or if you're complaining about them locking your meter or, or whatever, then you're dealing with one entity. And so you have to be careful about the 500,000-pound gorilla because they may not, you know, regardless of which side you're on, whether you're with the gas company or you're a private individual, they are the only ones that are providing your gas. Uh, there is a, basically, I want to call it maybe a monopoly, mm -hmm. but they're not a monopoly because why? I guess, I don't know why they're not a monopoly. I don't know how that, I guess nobody else is providing gas. Yeah. I really don't know enough about their business, mm -hmm. but no one's having any complaints. In fact, we are a customer of them too, and I'm sure you are, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you are too, Station Manager Dick, because they're our only gas provider, unless you have a, unless you don't have gas or you use natural gas propane or something and you supply your own. But they have the pipes and stuff that go under the ground and they, they supply it that way. And so, um, in this particular uh, uh, situation, um, they they have to go in and they have to, um, you know, they've got certain government regulations that they have to follow. But but where there is an easement, um, they can go, and, and the easement provides that they can do this. They can go in and they can actually go in and lay gas lines, just like the argument with Alaska. People didn't like the gas company coming in and putting gas lines through their farmland up north. Well, the gas company 
if there's a utility easement that is established in your um, land survey by mm-hmm. your developer, if mm-hmm. you've got if you have a subdivision, mm-hmm. if you don't have any, if there's an easement established, the gas company can come in and and uh, pretty much without notice, although they shouldn't, just like with this government uh, with the flooding, they can come in and put gas lines in. They can do what they want in that easement. That's that's providing that there is an easement established, and if there's not one, they can they come to you. Uh, a private property owner without an easement, and they ask you if they can put the gas line through your property for the public good, and you tell them, no, you don't want that. And then they go get a, they go through an eminent domain proceeding, mm-hmm. if it's the only way they can do it, mm-hmm. and then they pay you whatever the fee is that the people up in Austin say is fair, and you're arguing you want more, they're arguing with less, and they get it through an eminent domain proceeding. Right. Okay. Now, the reason that is significant with this and with this case is because if they don't give you notice and they don't have an easement, and they do it anyway without any notice to you, then you have um, inverse condemnation because it's a taking by a, a, a public utility that's, that's basically sort of quasi-governmental. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, so here are the facts for this case. We have a subdivision where the, um, the, the original developer created a subdivision that was approved by Montgomery County, and in the subdivision they allotted certain uh, areas for... Uh, drainage easements, uh, gas easements, uh, utility easements in general. But in this situation, they didn't describe what the utility easement was in detail. They just said, they didn't call it a utility easement. They called it UE, okay? Mm-hmm. And in that, um, and within that, and I'm going to show this so that y'all can both see it, this is a copy of the subdivision plat, okay? Can you see that at all? Is that showing up anywhere? Station manager deck? Okay, up, up, up. See me up okay closer all right so that's the sub- that's what a subdivision plat looks like in general okay mm-hmm. and those squares are just a little and they're all and... the little subdivision residential subdivision plats mm-hmm. and up in the very top in the green is the area there's little five tracks and you can't tell but that's actually five lots okay now in that up in the very very top there is a, a drainage easement that's actually identified okay and then it's about it's 30 feet it says 15 feet on either side but on the very very top of this subdivision there's a drainage easement okay Mm -hmm. and um, I won't go to the details of how it's described in the plat but it's not described the drainage easement just says it's 15 feet on either side of a natural drainage easement and then they've identified a UE up here okay now Mm -hmm. um, they don't ever identify gas easement or anything like that but they do have UE identified now what the gas company did, the private gas company is did, without notifying the people that owned the lots that we had highlighted in green, they put this gas plant on it. Can you see that? They put it on what? Their lots? They put it, initially they put it um, in the lot, not inside the easement, partially in the easement, but partially outside the easement. They put this gas uh, it's called a gas valve utility, gas valve station utility, I think is what it is. But it's a plant. And it's basically so that gas can be transferred into the different subdivisions. But it's above ground. And this is what they put on their property. And um, this is what it looks like if you're just driving down the street. And I'm sure you've seen these when mm-hmm. different ones. And you always think that, well, they own the land or they have, you know, no problem. They're mm-hmm. the gas company. And you can see all that on there. Okay. So you see this from the street. And then this is kind of this is what it looks like from the back. 
Now, that they had moved it, so now all of this is in the easement, and that's, that's why it's not fenced. This was ultimately fenced. Um, but this part, the pipes in the back were now moved so that they're all within the 30-foot easement, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, the question is, if, um, if you own property, you are station manager Dick, and you buy it, and you have an easement in your back, and every one of the properties on the top of that, that uh, in this subdivision, each... Oh, in fact, oh, I forgot. This one's, this is, this is where it was. And you can barely see it, but that little box is where the plant is, and that's the one lot, okay? Oh, that's the easement. Yeah. So the easement is here along the top. Okay. And you can see the little boxes outside the easement, but that's where it is, mm-hmm. okay? Now, mm-hmm. um, what is important, because y'all are going to be like my little jury, is when you look at the plat for the entire subdivision, Every one of these lots up top has got that same easement in it, all the north and then along the side. And most lots, and I don't want to, I'm just going to say because, you know, my background is, you know, land, uh, I'm a land man, real estate broker, you know, I've done surveys, and this is kind of, I've had some exposure to this land surveying. Um, most subdivision lots have got easements running through them mm-hmm. for different things because you need to have your own you have to have utilities mm-hmm. and um in the back like in most i don't want to say most but uh in the two different subdivisions we own properties in or actually three there's um there's a utility easement for drainage in the back or it's just a general utility easement but it's described now knowing that i'm asking y'all if you bought and in this case, they didn't buy the land. In this case, they inherited it. So their predecessors, which they're responsible for whatever their predecessors negotiated. Um, so we'll just say it's you. If you bought land, you just bought a subdivision lot, had a bunch of trees on it, and it had this, this designation for a utility easement in the back, and it's defined as a drainage easement or an aerial easement, but nothing more than just UE, and it doesn't say it's for any other purpose. If the gas company came in and put this facility this plant on there without asking you um and they ma- they maintain they didn't have to because it was in an easement um what would your position be on that would you feel like well i bought it it's got it's got it, it might be an easement but there's an easement back there i should have known kind of like the other argument with the katrina and then harvey i should have known that that could have happened on my property in fact many people fence behind the easement so this now, they couldn't have done it when it was within the property, but now they could actually fence it so that even though it's a big plant, um, what is your position that the gas company came in and didn't tell them they put it on there and it's, it says danger, flammable gas, and they don't know what's underneath it and what have you? Um, do you feel like they should have given them notice? Do you feel like they had a right to because an easement was there? Or do you feel like... Um, that because of the size and the degree that if you bought a property with that type of easement, you would not have expected a gas plant in your backyard, which they can do mm-hmm. based on their argument that they can. Um, they could put that gas plant in the back of everybody's backyard in that easement. Right, right. So I will ask station manager Dick first, since you know, this is probably the first time you've heard this story. Um, what do you think? You buy a property, the gas company comes in with this gas plant, but they don't tell you about it, it's sitting there. Do they have the right to do that? They don't have the right to do that. Just you're just listening for the first time. I mean, I think it depends on what city or county you live in, because every county has rules. Okay, let's say the county doesn't have any rules on it. Uh, then it is what it is. Okay. And I think also a lot of times with this kind of stuff, especially with development going behind you, a lot of places will newer places will build higher than you. Uh huh. So right. you will become 
the down where the water goes right right okay now that's for Um, flooding we're talking about this gas plant being stuck on a piece of property well that's my big that's Uh what i'm saying like if i was a property owner that's what i'd be concerned with more about the flooding more about what they're changing in the environment around right and they can't by just so you'll know that the natural um resources code and the way the uh the law works with easements is you can't change a natural if you change a natural um, easement a drainage easement then your neighbor may have a cause of action against you because the, once you like that's like changing a river you can't you can't like china tried to do they're building islands so they have more land down the ocean where it's international you can't go in there and and try and tamper with what god has is, is used and what was expected that's a natural drainage easement and you would have a cause of action for that but in this case let's say they weren't tampering which the that would be a taking too if you were flooded but let's just use this scenario you've got um uh, just a, a gas plant, not drainage. Um, you've got a, a cell phone tower, but in this case, it's a gas utility plant. Something that's large and above ground that's in an easement. It's ugly, basically. Ugly and mm-hmm. dangerous because they've already they've labeled it dangerous. Don't come near here. It's flammable. Cell phone tower could have electrical. You know, there's there's something dangerous that's been put in your easement that's above ground. You have kids or may have kids. You have a dog. It's not fenced off, and then they they put this in here. What would do you do you believe that you should have had notice or like in the Harvey and Katrina situation, should you have known? Should is that an inherent risk when you buy into a subdivision? If no other rules exist except for the plat and the developer, what they have. Well, I mean, there's not any rules. It is what it is. Okay. I mean, there, that's why certain communities protect itself from certain developments like that, and that's okay. why, like, I mean, the Woodlands is the greatest like example of how they protect their okay. the people who build there. I mean, my my favorite thing right now is they're having a discussion about how many grocery stores they can put into each section. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, that tells you how much they regulate what can okay. go in and what like what goes around the community. Okay. So I mean, it just depends on where you are, and I think if you're in a if you're in a rural area and that's just the way it is, I mean, some your neighbor could have been putting a bunch of you know, double wides up and doing a meth lab. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if there's you, really nothing you're not you can do about it. By your homeowner's rules. Yeah, that's there's, right. there's really nothing you can do about okay. it in certain areas. So it's just it is what it is. Okay. And um, all right. So so um, so there is an argument that it is what it is. It would be if it was clear. Like in the woodlands, they have very clear yeah. homeowners' compensation rules. No, I bet there's ways to protect yourselves from preventing these kind of mm-hmm. things. If you if because some people don't even pay attention to what their neighbors are doing. Yeah. Until it's too late. Right. And I think a lot of folks who own property have to do diligence every year, uh, every so often, just to yeah. make sure what's going right. on around, right. what's available, mm-hmm. who owns the property. Okay. I know that was one of my father's biggest deal when they buy land. They Their, their biggest deal was they would figure out who owns the property the, around the them. The adjacent property? Yeah, property. anything uh-huh. that touches their land. They're like, well, who owns these things? What are uh-huh. their phone numbers? Well, who do we right. contact right. if we and need if something? If it's open? Yes. Or if it's uh, it's already an easement, it's already got natural drainage. Okay. So um, now knowing that, now tell me what your position is on that. The same, different. You well, own a, a you bought a lot of a little bit different because um, I don't know if you've ever have you bought a house before. No. Okay. I don't want to and I know that. you bought a ton. So a little bit different perspective in that. Um, but what, what you're saying is correct. But you bought property in a lot with plats. easements. I had one okay. three and a half acre piece of property that had a, a utility easement that ran right through the middle of it. Okay. And we fought and we tried to get it moved and all of that. Okay. And it was such luck. And okay. So I think that if they were on notice, you said that the easement was called UE. Uh-huh. Um, 
the I, I understand that you're saying that this was inherited property, uh-huh. but they had an the easement. Same, the same the same position as the people that bought it, right? Uh, exactly, mm-hmm. and an easement is an easement. That's mm-hmm. what it is, and you're not going to defeat it. Mm-hmm. They have a right. They n- need to develop this land, and those easements are there. Okay. I remember when we were in law school, we spent two months on easements, mm-hmm. and I still think that we probably need to try and define it a little bit better. I mean, my definition for an easement is a right-of-way mm-hmm. that does not belong to you, mm-hmm. and it may be right in the middle of your property. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you've got an argument that you can get the easement moved around your mm-hmm. property, mm-hmm. but that's... That's not likely going to be granted. So an easement, <laughs> my position is that an easement is an easement whether you like it or Depends not. Depends who your attorney is. Right. <laughs> whether you like it or not, it's there. Yes. And uh, they can use it. They've got a right to use that easement. That's okay, now, what I'm I gonna, think. Now I'm going to tell you what's going on to to some extent with the law here um, without getting into a lot of detail. We're not going to go to the inverse commentation that's really important for people that are flooding and, and have stuff like this going on. Um, because you do have, you can fight this. First, an easement has to be definitive. You can't just go and say, any utility company or public utility or somebody that is a startup or whatever, maybe they've got, you know, whatever, the cable people are also right. a public. They can't just come onto your property and say that the utility easement is for their benefit if it's not defined in the actual homeowners association rules. So that has to be specific. There has to be a definition. And generally, an easement for... It, it, which was, I guess, when you buy a property, if you see an easement in the back, you don't think they're going to put a five-story gas plant on it. Right. right? Your, your expectation is the easement is for drainage or something underground or maybe some cable. Maybe you can't use it, but it's not going to be an eyesore or prevent you from using the property because you still own it even though it's got an easement on right. it. And it can't be something that's dangerous unless you put on notice because what if you're smoking and within that easement – you're a smoker and you throw a light on it, then everybody explodes and you haven't been put on notice. So there's some restrictions even just in the law that you, if there is an easement, the right thing to do, and they do this a lot with oil and gas wells because I used to always have to go get um, surface use agreements, even if we had the right as the higher... Surface use agreements? Right. If if you, uh, the mineral owner in, in Texas mm-hmm. um, has a higher priority right than the surface owner. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a uh, a... a uh, an under, uh, I want to say the break. You have a, a package of ownership. Mm-hmm. If the owner of the minerals, uh, you know, they don't have any right to. You would think not to go on uh, a property because they only have the minerals. And you got a surface owner that's got a big house on it, big mm-hmm. mansion. The mineral owner actually has a higher right mm-hmm. than the surface owner, and they have the right to go on there. They have the right to put a well on there, mm-hmm. they, but they have to do it within reason. Right. Okay. So they can't put a well up right next to somebody's house. So the same thing would apply to these easements. You have to do something within reason. Okay. And in, in this um, in this particular scenario, or in any scenario, easements have to be described, and they can't be unnecessarily burdensome to the, the surface owner. So if you've got a big old gas plant or a cell phone tower that's towering over your house, or and there is an easement, let's say it's a legitimate easement, mm-hmm. um, then if, it's, if they could have done it in a more, in a fashion that was not unreasonably burdensome to the surface owner, then you have a, a liability case against them, mm-hmm. particularly if they haven't asked you. And that's why when I used to do oil and gas, we would always go to the surface owner and negotiate and give them some money for it so mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have any problems. And we let them work with us on where we put the well or mm-hmm. where we were going to use the road to build a well mm-hmm. because it's what you do. It's mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Okay. So, um, but in this particular situation, that's why we're getting into inverse condemnation because in this case, it was a, there was a taking um, of property because uh, I, my understanding is that 
the Texas Department of Transportation only allows you certain places where you can come into your lots. Mm -hmm. There are only certain accesses from major thoroughfares uh, like FM 1488 or mm -hmm. 2978 or whatever. Um, the same thing happened like with the Escape Movie Theater. They couldn't, that you can't access Escape Movie Theater from 1488 right. because they won't, they, there's no access for it. They, they won't allow you because of the way the traffic flow is. So they can only access it from Old Conroe, mm -hmm. which surprised all of us that live in the area because it would be so much easier just to go into the shelter and go into it. But that happens a lot in, in, um, in many subdivisions where you've got lots that come off of a main thoroughfare. Now, um, inverse condemnation. So what we're, we're saying now is in all these situations where the public is taking the property, you may have a claim of inverse condemnation if the government has released water onto your property and flooded it, taking your ability, damaging it, or damaging it permanently, not or, just temporarily. Or, or making it, uh, reducing its value. Right, reducing, it's a taking because your damage is its reduction in value and its permanent right. value. And that goes to the things that you need to know about condemnation. Okay, so, um, and the reason, and there's the backup to how it kind of works. In the Constitution, the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution places strict restrictions on the government's ability to take a person's private property. And it quotes the, uh, the Constitution, I'm going to quote it, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Um, this clause is called the Takings Clause. It's commonly referred to as eminent domain, mm -hmm. which we're going to get into a little bit in a minute, mm -hmm. and provides that property may be taken for public use, but only with just compensation of the property owner. Mm -hmm. So if they unduly take your property in the easement because mm -hmm. you own the property, uh, and it's for a pu public purpose, then you may have an inverse condemnation claim because you can no longer use it, and maybe even part of your property you can't use because of the the, the facility is too tall and it's to invade your privacy, or it's dangerous so you can't smoke, or you can't put the fence up because of where it's located. Whatever the case may be, um, you may have a taking, so you you have that argument. Um, the Constitution also, the Texas Constitution, that was the U.S. Constitution, the Texas Constitution provides no person's property shall be taken, damaged, or destroyed for or applied to public use without ad adequate compensation. Eminent domain and condemnation of private property can be exercised by federal, state, or local government agencies. So they can take your, your, your property and exercise it first, though, by if there's time and it's not an emergency situation like the flooding, through an eminent do domain proceeding, all right? Um, the plaintiff, the person taking your property, has a financial or monetary interest in um, elements of inverse compensation. And that you're the plaintiff if if you were the one that was injured by it. Right. You're um, the one whose property got taken. If you have taken. a financial or monetary interest in the property, you can make a claim. The property was taken or damaged by the government's action or the public utilities action uh, or the cable company or whoever it is for the public use. The government action was initial... Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, the government action was intentional or foreseeable. So they knew when they did this, it may hurt your property because you're the adjacent homeowner, just like in reverse of what manager, station manager Dick was saying. Um, you're looking around at who owns the property around you and who's affected by your actions, which you should always do in life anyway. Um, the taking of property or damage to it was substantially caused by that activity. So you don't have a case if there was something already there when you bought it, now you're unhappy because there's a cell phone tower on it, but you knew the cell phone tower was there on the easement, no matter what the time frame was. Sure. It, you knew when you bought it, it yeah. was already there. Mm -hmm. um, Coming to the nuisance. But, Tony, all of this applies to easements. I thought that easements 
we're in their own special little category that 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 when the easement existed the uh, value of the property was already uh, taken into consideration for that easement yes because when well you would net right if you go to buy a subdivision lot and this would go for all of our listeners who go buy property you want to be mm-hmm. looking at this very closely mm-hmm. um just like station manager was saying you want to look at what your depending on what you want to use the property for very very important you want to look at the the federal rules, the state rules could be there. There's Find some, out where those easements there's federal, are. There's a turtle on it or there's the red cockaded woodpecker. Right. You may not be able to do anything on it because right. the person next door to you has got some kind of a, that's true. you know, that's it. So you want to look at federal. You want to look at uh, at the state level. You want to look at the local level. Uh, your city ordinances, even and even the less the, the the you would think the least local level is going to be your homeowners association, and sometimes that's your worst nightmare no because they are so detailed. But in the Woodlands case, they're not a nightmare. They are the reason that the property is as valuable as it is, valuable mm-hmm. as it is, right. because their restrictions are so tight. They prevent people from doing things that they want, but they also make it so that it's uniform, and that's what people that's right. why they buy in the Woodlands. Right. Um, so uh, you do want to look at that, but at the same time, when you buy a piece of property, it's got an easement on it. You also, when you look at what the definition is, you can see what to expect the easement to be used for. And if it's an easement for drainage, then you know you can't use it because it may flood at some point. So don't build something on it, but it might have to be a nice little river back there. Mm-hmm. A nice little, you know, it's going to, like our, our creeks and our, our gullies, they mm-hmm. could water in them during certain rainy seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that it's for aerial. You may expect, like in this particular situation, that they'll put an aerial line above it, you know, uh, 20 feet above it. So don't put anything in there, but you might be able to put your swing set in it. But it's going to be over a line. Like I've got an easement on some property we have um, over off 1488. It's got an aerial easement, but I have a rose garden underneath it. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. You mm-hmm. wouldn't even know the easement was there. Right. And we're not stopped from doing that for that reason. Um, the uh, So if you anticipate what's going to be there and that's your property value, that's one thing. But if something... Uh, is 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 put on there without your just compensation by either the person, the entity putting it on there, or uh, and they, they haven't even notified you of it, then you may have a takings claim, an mm-hmm. inverse combination claim, mm-hmm. and particularly in a situation where you've got a massive plant, an electrical plant, a gas plant, um, something that's above ground and dangerous. People mm-hmm. generally, when you see the the little boxed in, fenced in areas, whether it's for water, gas, or electricity, uh, and it says dangerous, don't approach. You're thinking, I'm either going to be, there's going to be radiation. Mm-hmm. I may not be able, there may be gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's something going on, uh, maybe uh, something there. I'm, I'm going to be physically endangered, my pets, my children, me, if I get close to it. So that's the kind of thing you're looking at. You would think that you would be approached for that. Okay. Now, um, how much time do we have? A few minutes. Five minutes? Okay. I want you to go over these 10 things that you need to know about inverse condemnation. Ten things that you need to know about inverse condemnation. Inverse condemnation or regulatory taking happens when the government takes or damages your property without filing suit or paying you just compensation. And filing suit means the government has filed an an eminent domain suit so they can be compensated for it. Okay. They can compensate you for right, it, right? Right, right. So, um, and they can and they can determine through the government what is reasonable, which is always an argument. Yeah, I mean, they did in Austin when they were building the convention center. They took all these people's land, and their argument was in 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 response, "You're going to take it. We get it." But it's now in the middle of Austin. It's very valuable property. Yeah. And we were going to use it for our own valuable property. Now the government wants it for a convention center. There was a big argument over that. And, of course, 
the government pretty much won. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Sometimes there's not justice. Okay, so this can occur in several ways, such as overstaying a lease, denying access to property, physically taking land. Mm-hmm. Uh, or taking action that damages your land in some way. Right. I so think in, you've been talking about the situation about all of those. that we have here. We've got people that own property, and the government released the water onto it and damaged it. And then we have people that own the property, and a public utility put a major gas plant on it so it could never be used again. Not even, not even you know temporarily, but permanently never be used again. And then mm-hmm. it's a le- we're not talking about the lease situation, but it would be the same thing I think if you had uh, somebody lease property. I'm trying to think of the scenario for that. Um, somebody leaves and just not leave not yeah not leave right for a a determined period of time and then they overstay right and maybe they put something on there was permanent like a a a dry cleaner comes to mind because once the dry cleaner is on your property you can never use it for a different purpose because of the chemicals that are released into the soil oh really yeah Hmm. you have to get a lot you have to dig out all the soil just like with a gas station and if you ever want to buy property with a gas station that had been on or a dry cleaner that's been on it the you really want to get it appraised by a really good appraiser because um, because of the environmental issues, it doesn't. It's not. It, you can't live on it. You'd get cancer, and you know you'd have a love canal situation. Uh, okay. Number two, inverse condemnation can also occur when the government places unreasonable restrictions or regulations on the use of your land. This mm-hmm. is referred to as a regulatory taking. What would that look like? Um, saying that you can't use uh, 50 feet. Um, you can't. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to say the old Conroy Road situation. The mm-hmm. government's going to come in and they're going to take half your front lawn 100 feet in on one side and then right now it's just a quiet little road and it's all fenced off the government's going to come in and take 100 feet and it's in the road at your front door that's i believe they're going to do that uh, they better not they're fighting like the dog right now because but if the government says if a text dot and the local government and the the county commissioners and uh says that this old county road uh if all the, uh, there's a law that says if all the county commissioners agree that a county road can be changed then they can change it and it doesn't matter if that county change to what a highway uh yeah if they they say we're gonna we're gonna widen that county road from you know 60 feet on each side mm-hmm. and it's been that way forever mm-hmm. because now we believe that we want a thoroughfare mm-hmm. i believe now they're calling it the something parkway um we want a thoroughfare that goes from 1488 to loop 336 because we think that that's the that benefits the public to have this outlet and this road then the people that have their homes on the current Mm -hmm. uh what used to be a carriage carriage route and it doesn't even cut through right now so there's no bridge those people if the government stomps in and says i want to do this um they can widen it 100 feet on each side they could put a freeway in there. So, and the argument is, can you do that? And, is, and it's the same argument. Do you, can you go in there and do this uh, because it's unnecessarily, unnecessarily hurting the private property? Same thing. It's a takings. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't, that may not happen. Mm-hmm. But we do know that it's been for many years now, for about a decade, that there has been some issue on how we're going to make a thoroughfare that where we can uh, get to Conroe from 1488, whether we come up 242 or we come up Old Conroe. Mm-hmm. Or, and so now it's just about where and mm-hmm. how big. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the same issue. 
Okay, uh, number three, the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 17 of the Texas Constitution, guarantee that no person may be deprived of property mm-hmm. without due process mm-hmm. of law. That's what we've been talking about. Right. Uh, they further provide that private property may not be taken for public use without just or adequate compensation. Okay, well, we need to wrap this up. I think that we have more uh, discussion on this right, next right. Because week. Th- but th- what they're doing, like on all the roads, they'll go get an eminent domain, where it's inverse compensation. It's like the gas plant people. They just did it mm-hmm. and then you have uh, sort of the, the getting a surface easement is always the right thing to do but yes we need to we're going to have part two okay well thank you for listening guys it's tony and cheryl we've been talking about inverse condemnation and we want to remind you to serve god by serving others all right we'll see you next week guys